Oh, it's always good for Eve and I to be here. Uh, we were both baptized down in the basement here because Bethany did not have a baptistry of their own. Uh, we were married at Bethany, but we had our uh, wedding reception downstairs here at Calvary. So Calvary is uh, certainly a sister church for us, and uh, it's good to be back with you. Uh, we do serve with the EFCA East, uh, part-time in the area of pastor support, pastor and wife support. And we have the privilege of overseeing Calvary Church and Daniel and Linda and uh, the pastors here uh, in our support network. I look forward to getting to know uh, Remy, and good to see him uh, today. I've heard of him through Daniel. Uh, but we uh, share in drawing pastors and wives together in what we call cluster groups. And we uh, meet together and had a great meeting this past Thursday up at Montvale Free Church. Pastor Daniel was there. And we as a group of pastors came around him, uh, he, we had him share of his uh, journey right now, and uh, we prayed over him, laid hands on him and prayed over him. During the rest of the meeting, Daniel got a phone call, and he went out to get the call and came back in and he said, gentlemen, God is answering, and I guess some things that were in line to be planned out for his treatment and for his uh, uh, procedures uh, got moved further ahead, even while we were at the meeting. So uh, we have that joy to support each other, and uh, you are one of about 130 churches in EFCA East, and uh, even I have the privilege of overseeing about 35 of those churches. So uh, we are glad to be here uh, this morning and to share with you and praying for you, uh, praying for Daniel and uh, Linda on this journey that he's on and that you're on uh, with him. But I want to open the scriptures to you this morning, and I've chosen to speak on a full book of the scriptures, uh, the book of Lamentations. So if you have your devices, if you have your uh, copies of the scriptures, I invite you to open to this book. We're going to focus on chapter 3, but uh, we want to kind of give an overview of the whole book to see what the context is uh, when these words, great is your faithfulness, are declared in the book of Lamentations. Uh, we've just come through a wonderful season of celebration this year. Eve and I were privileged, uh, even with COVID around, to get together with our whole family, and I think that uh, some of you perhaps have had wonderful times during this time as well. And I trust that during those times of, of the holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's, you've had opportunities to reflect over the blessings of God, even in these difficult times. Uh, perhaps you've even said, great is God's faithfulness. And uh, you've recalled the times. Uh, you've shared at Thanksgiving. We usually share around our table, perhaps over Christmas and New Year's. Though I noted we didn't get as many Christmas cards as we normally do in the mail. Uh, perhaps there were, were those expressions online or in the mail uh, from people you know of God's goodness or God's grace in their lives. But even though we've celebrated well, hopefully... Yet at some time, every one of us is going to enter into a time of suffering because we do live in a broken and a fallen world. And that suffering may be experienced personally by us or vicariously as we enter into it with others around us. As with Daniel, positive biopsies can come back that shatter our dreams, change direction, and, and enter into our feelings and our emotions. Unexpected employment, unemployment 
can fill our every thought of tomorrow with fear. Unfaithful spouses can rip our hearts to pieces. Rebellious children that provoke both unimaginable pain and self-doubt on the part of parents. Personal failure that can shred our very lives and, and, and the last remnants of hope that we had. And perhaps even the consuming loneliness uh, that we've experienced. An isolation that covers our soul like a fog. And I've got to admit that in our lives we've been through such periods of time. Just three years ago, through a, a grave time with our son who was on death's door as a virus, as a, an infection was roaming through his body. But maintaining our faith in God's goodness in these times is not easy. And I believe that's what the book of Lamentations brings to us. At, at times such as this, though, I've got to tell you, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23 sits in my mind, and maybe it does yours. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions, they never, never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Folks, that is one of the golden gems of all of Scripture. It has been the foundation of one of our great hymns of all time. But it is set in the bleakest of circumstances in Scripture. Uh, the shriek of pain is so evident in the book of Lamentations. Uh, though it's a short book, in fact, there are five shouts and cries of pain and agony in this book. So before we read the scripture text, and the portion we're going to read is in your bulletins, if you have it there as well, let me just set the context, because context is king. There's a context with the structure of Lamentations. It's a poetic book, Jewish poetry. And as you look at the book as a whole, uh, it's wonderfully written. In fact, chapters 1, 2, and 4 have 22 verses in each of those three chapters. In the Hebrew alphabet, there are 22 letters. So each one of those chapters, 1, 2, and 4, begin each verse in those chapters, the 22 verses, begins with one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And that's important because the author, Jeremiah of Lamentations, wants you and me to make sure that the grounds of our grief are being worked through thoroughly. That we're not just saying, oh, we don't need to worry about these things that are happening, but we need to work through them. And the third chapter comes as the critical middle chapter of, of this book. In fact, if you look at the third chapter, there are 66 verses there. Now, if there are 22 letters in the Hebrews alphabet, Hebrew alphabet, 66 verses is 3 times 22. So in chapter 3, just as we think of the context, the author wants us to see how important this chapter is. And so he repeats each of the Hebrew letters three times, thus coming to 66 in that book. Uh, context here is critically important. If you look at chapters 1, 2, and 4, each one of them begins with the word how. Uh, it's, it's this profound shock that the author Jeremiah has. How are you working, Lord? How are you dealing with the people? How are you involved here? It's an emphasis on how much the Jewish people in Jerusalem are suffering. 
And it's not just that the Babylonians, the enemies or the the, uh, enemies surrounding them are coming against them. It's God himself. For in Lamentations 1.12, even they say, God, you you have forsaken us. And for those of us who believe in the sovereignty of God, this is a problem. Uh, The sovereignty of God, the will of God, the decree of God. God, how could you allow such stuff to happen? How, do, how are we supposed to think about your working in our future? And so there are these questions of lament in the book of Lamentations. In the first 21 verses of Lamentations 3, which is our focus this morning, uh, we see that the word I, me, my appears 34 different times. It's someone crying out to God. It's the shriek of pain. It's a drowning man, a drowning woman holding on to driftwood just to survive. That's the structural context. But there's also a historical context here, and it's this, that the capture of Jerusalem and the burning of the temple in 587 B.C. is occurring. That's the context historically. And the anguish of this event is so deep that four times in the Holy Scriptures, the destruction of Jerusalem is recorded in the Old Testament. Isaiah had foretold of a future for Jerusalem, that she would be a vehicle, as Isaiah declares, for bringing light to all the Gentiles, Isaiah 2, in the Messianic age. But the unfaithful in her midst, who diminished her life and testimony, must be purged from her by disaster, while the faithful remain to build her up, Isaiah declares, in chapter 1. And so we come to the destruction of Jerusalem. Three times Jerusalem is is destroyed by Babylon and the Babylonian forces come against it. There was a siege around the city, no water, no food, desperate times, desperate measures were being taken to survive. Inner chaos was being experienced, eternal pressure was being felt. Desperate times, desperate measures, and slowly the city is strangled. Life for them was difficult. Life for them was was pressure all the way. The fall of Jerusalem had come. That's the historical context. The people were sinning. Uh, Many had been held in captivity. Uh, The people rejected God's word, and even the leaders led them astray despite the warnings from God's prophet. And it's into this context, folks, that Jeremiah now says in chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, Great is God's faithfulness. Now, we need to understand what this looked like. This would be like one of us going down to St. Barnabas Hospital Emergency Room right after this service, standing in this emergency room filled with COVID patients and other patients, with rooms not available, with staff that is depleted, and weary, and tired from all that's going on, and standing in the middle of that emergency room and shouting out, Great is God's faithfulness. That's the context here. Or going to the home of someone who's been isolated, feeling depressed and lonely, and just shouting to them, Great is God's faithfulness. If you look at Lamentations 3.18, and I know the text of the the passage that's written in the bulletin begins at 21, but verse 18 of chapter 3 says this, So I say, my splendor is gone, and all that I had hoped from the Lord 
is gone. This is the darkest night of a sufferer's misery. This is the ultimate discouragement. Jeremiah is engaging his grief deeply, facing his losses honestly, and pours out his feelings to God. This is the deep, desperate cry of lamentations. Where is God? Where is God in the midst of the grimmest moments of life? And yet this passage, I believe this morning, is going to sow for us seeds of hope for rebuilding one's life when pain has had its way. God is not finished with His people, even when they sin greatly as they did in this time, or they experience pain and suffer deeply. Folks, Lamentations this morning is a book for the faithful, enabling them to to mourn for Zion's disaster and yet to pray and hope for her renewal and thus for the completion of God's saving purpose and work in their lives, and we can do the same for our lives today. So let's look together, and I want to read Lamentations chapter 3, whoops, there we go, Uh, Lamentations chapter 3, I'd like to begin in verse 18, and if you're looking at the insert in the bulletin, that begins at 21, so you'll pick up with me there. So I say, Jeremiah writes, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness, the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet, but, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Now listen what he calls to mind. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord is laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust, there may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to one who would strike him, and let him be filled with disgrace. For men are not cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion, so great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men, to crush underfoot all prisoners in the land to deny a man his rights before the Most High, to deprive a man of justice. Would not the Lord see such things? Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Sounds like Job. Why should any living man complain when punished for his sins? Let us examine our ways, test them, and let us return to our Lord. This passage affirms to me the faithfulness and the belief in God's mercy and His faithfulness. Uh, And it's the key to being restored. It's the key to continuing to have a vibrant and a personal relationship with the living God. Uh, Verse 20, the author here, Jeremiah, says, I think on this stuff that's happening all around me and I get depressed. But there's a change in 321 where he says, yet... But this I will call to mind, and therefore I have hope. I like what Tim Keller says of this verse. 
we may hear our hearts say, it is hopeless. We should argue back with Scripture and with our knowledge of God. So in the midst of all of this grief, Jeremiah is saying there is a decision to be made. And that is to turn our focus. But folks, I want to dwell in my grief. Suffering has a strong tendency in me, and I believe in many of you, uh, to turn us in on ourselves, feel sorry for ourselves and what we have to endure. We're all going to experience loss. The question, therefore, is how do we respond to that loss? By the choices we make, the grace we receive, and the journey of growth. I love a book by Jerry Sitzer. He was a pastor in Montana, was driving one night, a drunk driver came towards him, hit his van, his mother, his wife, and his daughter were all killed instantly. And Jerry Sitzer, in a book called The Grace Disguise, writes this, it's not what happens to us that matters as much as what happens in us. Loss provides the opportunity to take inventory of our lives, to reconsider priorities, and to determine new direction. And that's what Jeremiah is able to lead us to, to find hope in a hopeless situation because Jeremiah and we need to choose to focus on God. My main idea is this, and it's on your note page there, and I'm going to have four anchors, so if you're taking notes, there's four things that we're going to follow here that I want to focus on. But the main idea is this, where pain, grief, and hurt are, there is God. He offers us His presence. Hope springs from truth rehearsed. And I believe that's what Jeremiah is saying to the people here. Look, Hope is going to spring when you rehearse the truths you know about God and you focus again on Him. So this morning, I want us to see four thoughts that give us solid ground. Uh, four anchors for our soul. Whether it's going through the COVID season, whether it's going through cancer issues, whether it's going through the loss of loved ones who have passed away, whatever it is, these are four anchors for your soul. And they're all found here in Lamentations chapter 3. So here's thought number one. God's love never ceases or changes. That's verse 22, the first part. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. I may not feel His love. I may not understand it in the situations I'm going through, but our God is a God of steadfast Love and hope. And even the fact that we're not consumed, verse 22, is a clear indication of God's love. Uh, this word love here in the Old Testament is the biblical word hesed. It's covenant love. It's a beneficial action on His people's behalf. And in our text, the interesting thing in the Hebrew language is that it doesn't just say uh, because of the Lord's great love. It, it, the love, word love in the Hebrew language is plural. Because of the Lord's great loves or steadfastnesses. The love of God is so multidimensional. It's so great. It's so vast. It never ceases, even in the faces of, face of Judah's unfaithfulness or Jerusalem's destruction. It is an everlasting love. There's an old-time hymn tune. I used to sing it. haven't sung it recently. But it goes like this. Oh, the deep deep love of Jesus. 
vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me is the current of thy love, leading onward, leading homeward to thy glorious rest above. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, spread his great praise from shore to shore. How he loveth, ever loveth, changeth never, changeth never, old language, uh, evermore. How he watches o'er his loved ones, died to call them all his own. How for them he intercedeth, watcheth over them from the throne. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, love of every love the best. Tis an ocean full of blessing, tis a haven giving rest. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, tis a heaven of heavens to me. And it lifts me up to glory, for it lifts me up to thee. Do you know that love? Do you know that love of Jesus? Because God's love never ceases or changes, no matter what we're going through as his children. God never stops being God. Thought number one, anchor number one, God's love never ceases. But anchor number two is this, God's compassions are unending. Notice it says, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Wow. God's compassions are unending. The word here, compassion, gives us the picture of a mother's love for her children. Uh, Moms get up in the middle of the night to nurse their children, take them in their arms, comfort them, sing lullabies to them, reassure them of their love. It's a word that's used of a father's heartfelt love for his son, or of a lover for their betrothed, Hosea 2.19. This compassion is that which goes the second mile and desires restoration. And notice here, they are new every morning. The fact that you and I awakened this morning is in itself a renewal of God's mercy. We've passed safely through another night. There's a freshness to God's compassionate care of His children. And and what a stronghold that is for those of us who are afflicted. Every day is an opportunity to experience in new ways God's compassion. Anchor number two. God's compassions are unending. Anchor number one. God's love never ceases. But anchor number three, God's faithfulness is enduring. Great is your faithfulness. Now there's a change in the text here. I don't know if you noticed it. But Jeremiah now, as he's writing, is not speaking to the people. He is speaking now directly to God. Great is your faithfulness. Uh, Jeremiah is, is not, not simply speaking to God, but, but he's, or he's speaking to God, not simply about God. And that's to show us that this is not some cold, abstract religious philosophy that Jeremiah has. He has a personal, dynamic relationship with the living God, and he knows there's a constancy here, a reliability, faithfulness. It's the biblical word, amen, so be it. This is reliable. You can depend on it. God's Faithfulness never ends. And this is God's faithfulness in light of His promise to destroy Jerusalem because of their uh, waywardness, which has already been done. The grieving is taking place. But it's also His promise to restore Jerusalem, which He would yet do. God is faithful. 
over and over and over. God's covenantal fidelity remains intact no matter what happens. And this is what the Scripture says, folks. We need to remember the Scriptures and rehearse them in our minds. They declare it over and over again. Exodus 34, 6, He is abounding in love and faithfulness. Deuteronomy 32, 4, He is a faithful God. Psalm 89, 2, You established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Psalm 89, 8, Your faithfulness surrounds you. God's love never ceases. God's compassions are unending. God's faithfulness is enduring. Now, now in this transition, two things flow from that thought that God is faithful. Notice them with me. Uh, Verse uh, uh, 24, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Uh, This comes from the language of Levitical priests. Uh, the allotment that was theirs, but basically it means that God is everything to me. God is my life. God is my all. And then notice the second thought, therefore I will hope in him. Uh, This is the bookend. My hope is in the Lord. Uh, Some of our translations have hope and wait, but, but do you see what this is saying? It's saying I'm faced with these incredible problems. Trials that come into my life, into my family, into my marriage, into my home, into my church. But I will wait on God. I won't try to answer all the problems. I won't try to answer all the questions. I will simply sit at His feet and wait for Him. And I will wait with patience. I will wait with confidence. I will wait with assurance. And if God never explains it to me, but simply asks me to trust Him, I'll do that too, because there's one thing that's non-negotiable. There's one thing that cannot change. There's one thing that cannot be denied, that God is faithful. Therefore, great is His faithfulness. God's love never ceases. God's compassions are unending. God's faithfulness is enduring. And the fourth anchor and last anchor, God's goodness, is reassuring. I love verses 25 through 36, but specifically 25 through 27, where the word good is repeated over and over again. God's goodness is reassuring. The Lord is good by His nature. And therefore we can say God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And folks, when I say that, sometimes I need to put the emphasis on the word is because I'm not feeling it. And I need to say, yes, I know that God is good. It's good to wait patiently. It's good to endure whatever it is that God wishes me to endure, to learn, or to do as a result of the pain and the suffering in my life. This waiting is an act of resting in God's goodness. Notice verse 27 says it's good to bear the yoke for a man to bear the yoke while he's young, to learn lessons young in life and to embrace even the pain and the difficulties knowing that God is there with you when he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. In the Old Testament, this word expresses God's will and purpose. There's an acceptance of God's timing. It's trusting that there are loving purposes behind every tear. And then Jeremiah ends the text and ends the passage by saying in verse 40, a real heartfelt, repentant prayer where he says these words, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord for 
God's love never ceases. God's compassions are unending. God's faithfulness is enduring. And God's goodness is reassuring. You, O Lord, reign forever. Lamentations 5.19 Your throne endures from generation to generation. The remedy, when we're going through difficult times, raise our eyes to God. For however confounded things may be in our world, He remains always the same. Nothing ever affects the immutability of our God. Everything else may change, but God changes not. Even though the temple of God had been destroyed by this time, even though the line of David on the throne, uh, David being on the throne and the kingdom provided to David seemed to be in shambles, God was still on the throne. He was still in control. And Jeremiah is leading us to that focus And that's available to all who feel that the bottom has dropped out and that all appears lost. So this morning, no matter what your sin, no matter how turbulent the events in your life, no matter how big your grief is that you bear, along with our confession, there must be this response, you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures forever and ever. What a salve that is for believers in the day and age in which we are living now. What a salve it is for a believing community in the face of the collapse of thrones, the brutal extinctions of one's friends and loved ones, and the awful awareness of human sin around us. Jerry Sitzer again invites us to a hymn that says this, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Note not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word, I ever with thee and thee with me, Lord. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. If we really know a faithful God, we will be a faithful people. When we stand in difficult circumstances, people who bail out on God don't know His faithfulness. But if we hang in there, if we look to God and if we put our vision on Him, then we'll know the faithfulness of our God. Lamentations doesn't give us any simple answers this morning for how to move through what we're going through. But it does take our eyes and it shifts our view and it says, hope springs from truth revealed. And the truth is, that God's love is never, cease, never ceases, God's mercy is unending, God's faithfulness is enduring, and God's goodness is reassuring. Hudson Taylor, missionary in China, had a phrase that he shared with many, and it was this, hold the faithfulness of God. Let's do that. As a congregation, for your pastor and his wife, in the midst of the cultural issues that surround us, and in the midst of our own weakness, living in a broken world. Oh Lord, thank you for the reminder from Lamentations. We struggle, we're stressed, Lord, by many things that are going on in our lives personally and around us. And yet, Lord, as Tim Keller says, let's not believe all of that, but let's repeat and rehearse the promises that you have given to us, Lord. You will never leave us nor forsake us. 
You're always there walking with us and beside us. Oh, Lord, might we just bask in that delight today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.